0: From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. This crew would really like to hear from you, and to do that, you can submit questions or comments at thatpodcast.net. And now, here is your favorite crew of hosts with That Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to that podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, I'm I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. And uh, it's cold outside. It's
1: getting there. It's terrible.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't wear a coat this morning. No. It's October 1. It's officially fall. Yeah.
1: Fully, Favorite time of year.
2: Fully immersed.
0: Hmm. Coats are, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll wear them.
1: Y- here you're sitting with a T-shirt on. Yeah. yeah. I got three layers. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan,
2: I'm guessing Ryan was the type of kid who was, it was like January negative 20, and he was still like out in shorts and a sweatshirt. He's not cold. Yeah, yeah, right. It's
0: not bad. Now I get after uh, Eli for that because he, I mean, uh, it's cold out, man. Yeah. He just looks at me like you're sold. old.
1: Yep. <laughs> Your blood thins the older you get. It doesn't hold... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the same temp as when you're young. My, yeah, my son told him to go get dressed. He comes out. He's got like jean shorts on and a tank top, mm-hmm. and he's there's nothing to him. He's only six, so it's just <laughs> like I'm like I'm looking at you. I, I'm cold looking at you. Aren't you yeah. cold? No, no, I'm fine. And he's not because he just runs around and yeah, yeah, just wow. Yep. Steam's coming off the top of his head. Is <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to. To get through, you know, like Eli will say, Oh, I'm just getting on the bus and then going into school.
1: What if the bus breaks down? Right. And it's 20 below outside. (laughs) Can happen. Well, they don't exactly have heat on buses. I remember buses being cold when you rode them to school, especially if it was like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. You're just Mm -hmm. sitting there on a metal seat, you know? With
0: all the windows all frosted mm-hmm. shut. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's that time. I love winter. I, I love this whole season. It can go away in January, mm-hmm. but the October, November, December mm-hmm. season of, of winter is just the best. You got that Christmas feel coming. Mm-hmm. You got Halloween that leads into Thanksgiving. And for people who are not from the Midwest, you have not gone trick-or-treating mm. unless oh. you have a full like Batman costume with a snowsuit on top of it. And a face mask covering your your little mask, and you may t- take the mask, put it on top of the face mask because it had the little string mm-hmm. that hooked in the back. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how you trick or treat. Yeah. I just
2: <laughs> I actually heard this, and this is my true Midwestern showing. Is I was on TikTok last night and I was scrolling through, and some somebody had the comment where they're like, "Man." They were madder than a kid on Halloween when their parents said they had to wear a coat over their costume, and I was like, "What kind of amateur you you're wearing it over No.
0: Yeah, you gotta buy it a, a couple, couple sizes
2: si- too big. A
1: couple sizes so it can too. Can fit big. a coat underneath. Yeah. Well, now they have these full costumes, like like uh, you know they'll have the the fake muscles from mm-hmm. the superheroes. Ooh. But when I was a kid, your costume was basically like a like a garbage bag. <laughs> That Had like a logo sprayed on the front of it so with could, a
0: smelly plastic mask, yes, that you wore, yep.
2: yes, with you know two little <laughs> pinholes and a little thing for your mouth, and that yep. might line up with where your face actually right. is, yep.
0: Or you could get the full head, like Ronald yes. Reagan or, or Richard Nixon, pull the whole thing, and that one really reeked because there was no getting away from that. And if it
1: was used the previous year, it had it had. <laughs> <laughs> fermented for a whole year, so it was quite an aroma. There when might you be put some it like over your head.
2: leftover Tootsie Roll <laughs> stuck to the side. <laughs> yep, some
0: chocolate on the inside. Yeah, your Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, so fun. How oh, man? What's Christmas like in North Carolina? It,
1: it does it even snow there? So um, it does, but snow in North Carolina has the good sense to leave when it's overstayed. It's welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can remember... There's no mold underneath it when it finally <laughs> melts away. Uh, I, I, a couple of years ago, you know, it was one of those things where there's no snow and you're like, things are starting to look a little brown. Things are usually pretty green year-round mm-hmm. in, in at least the part of North Carolina I was in near Charlotte. Um, but you, you're like, you know, it doesn't really feel like Christmas. There's not a, not a tree. You, you have a tree, but there's, there's no snow on the ground mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, on Christmas Eve... My family was really pining for snow and on Christmas Eve at the the um 11 p.m. like uh candlelight service mm-hmm. as we were leaving snow just started coming nice falling down yeah as people were heading back home and it, that was that's a that's a Christmas memory I don't think I'll ever forget of just you know wanting snow and all of a sudden just this beautiful little snow comes down and it comes down nice and with no wind. It's not like here. I mean, they have mountains and buildings that block wind <laughs> as compared to here where it's just everything's flat. So mm-hmm. when the wind comes, it's... Yeah. And um, and so there were kids on Christmas Day able to go out sledding. And it was maybe like an eighth of an inch of snow. Mm-hmm. But everyone was out sledding. And by like like the afternoon of Christmas day, it was all gone. Mm-hmm. It was all gone.
0: Did they really shut down schools? And everything? they did, they really?
1: did. And I never understood this again, someone of a higher pay grade than me probably understood this, but the way that they would de ice the roads mm-hmm. is they would use, um, basically like ocean water. So oh, cause it's salty. Cause it's salty. Okay. So it would melt. But then if the temperature dropped below freezing during the nighttime, mm-hmm. the next morning you just have basically these, you know, luge, uh,
0: (laughs) more sledding. Yeah. More sledding. And Hey, it's, uh, it's job security for the
1: street department, man. True, I guess so. Well, and, and you know, the the ocean is right there. So there's an abundance of this stuff. Yeah. But I always thought that was so odd. I'm like, that's not going to (laughs) work the way you think it's going to work. But I think the thinking is if we just do it enough times, the snow will go away in a Mm -hmm. couple of days and it'll be above freezing again. So,
0: yeah. I'm probably going to get hate mail from this, but I'm still dreaming of a brown Christmas again this year.
1: No snow. No
0: snow. Mm-hmm. No, I'd love it, just once. What? No.
2: <laughs> I'm going to give you hate mail right now. Well, I was just—I'll say it to your face. Yeah. Yeah. I won't even send it. <laughs> <in> no. <email>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you were talking about Christmas Eve snow. I remember there was one time when I was a kid that it was pretty warm that year, yeah. and I was distraught. I was like, there's no, like, it hadn't been very cold. There wasn't a lot of snow or anything on the ground. I was like, how is Santa going to get to my house? (laughs) How does a sled move without snow? Yes, I'm like, it's going to be too, like, I just remember, like, there was some, I don't even know the name of the movie, but there was some movie where it was like, oh, Santa has to come rescue somebody in the summer and, like, the reindeer can't handle the heat. And I was like, mom, dad, like, this is... We can't do this. There needs to be snow. This is
0: serious. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: serious business. So that's, you know, so what are you the re- snow.
0: What do the reindeer do for places that, like, uh, you know, around near the equator?
1: I don't know. So, so with, with Santa's powers, what happens is. <laughs> I was going to say, you
2: guys are the parents. You should have an answer for <laughs> this.
1: That while everyone is sleeping, a light snow comes and mm. covers everything. And then Santa's able to make his deliveries in, you know, a million houses in like 0.2 seconds, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the snow just ah, see, goes away by morning.
0: So he's got oh. a cloud following him, mm-hmm. a snow cloud.
2: It, it's, Frosty,
1: the snowman, mm-hmm. yeah. travels with him. and
0: <clears throat> Gotcha. It's
2: right next to the magical key that lets <laughs> you into everybody's house that doesn't have a chimney. Oh,
1: okay. Mm-hmm. There you go.
0: I, I gotcha. you. Hmm. You learn something new every day. Yeah. Speaking of learning, that's, that's thi- as good a reason as any I can think of. <laughs> well, speaking of learning new things, we have a lot of questions that have come in, and so we're going to have another question uh, answering session.
2: Great. Rapid fire.
0: Okay. Well, the first one, and this comes from Avis. Several of these All came right, from Avis. Avis. Yeah. What is it like to work at a church? And and uh, I'll just uh, I'll read the whole thing. The, the rest isn't really a question, um, but I'll, I'll read the whole thing. Uh, what is it like to work at a church? I'd love to hear more on DJ's former parishes or calls and the ages of those congregations, what they did for fun, fundraising, size of staff, etc. So I think she's like, what do they do in other parts of the country?
1: Mm-hmm. So. so on the first part, what what is it like to work in a church? Um, well, for me, it, it really is is each person is probably a little different, but when people ask me how I'm doing in the morning, it's a little tongue in cheek, but I kind of mean it too. I'll say I'm living the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing what, what I really feel I should be doing. And I feel fulfilled by it. Mm -hmm. uh, Serving people, sharing the gospel, um, being, being a minister of, of, of Jesus Christ. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else. Now, just like any other vocation, there's going to be bumps, and mm-hmm. you really know that you're carrying out your vocation if by the end of the day you just feel sucked dry.
2: <laughs> like, I didn't
1: have another ounce to give. Mm-hmm. Um, there is nothing left. Like last night after all of our Wednesday activities, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even make it to 9 o'clock. I just <laughs> was like, I'm going to bed. Um, and and so, um, you, as Martin Luther would say, you, you say your prayers, you lay your head down on the bed, and you let your worries go away, and you get ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what it's like working in a church for me, mm-hmm. because it's what I believe and it's been been validated outside of myself through a public call, um, that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And if if you love what you're doing, if you feel if it if it gives your life meaning and fulfillment, um, if you're able to help somebody else, I think that's that makes it go from being work to living the dream.
0: Mm-hmm. I dig- so. I agree with that mm-hmm. for sure. I
1: And it's not just pastors. I mean it's anyone that if you feel called to work in a church in some way, I, I think it's a Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: well for me I had a couple decades not working in a church. So it is it is different working here. I worked in um worked for the city of Fargo for gosh, thirteen years before I came here. And there, you know, you've got your set times. Right, you mm-hmm. clock in. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your breaks at nine. You you take your or you take your break at nine. You take your lunch at eleven. You take another break at two, and then at three thirty, but punch out again, and you go home. And um, that's
1: where that phrase "good enough for government work" comes. Yeah, <laughs> right, right.
0: I mean, there were times because I was on the street department. that You know, we needed flexibility. We had to sometimes stay later, or come in, or work all sorts of weird hours but the routine was always the same you knew when you that's why
1: you don't like snow (laughs) that explains so much the the two o'clock snowstorm where you 2 a.m where you got to be up and Mm -hmm. clearing Um, those roads for the yeah 7 a.m traffic
0: yeah i don't do it as much anymore um but i used to i couldn't even enjoy a football game Like the weather could be fine here Mm -hmm. and I'm watching a a game, you know, the, the giants are playing or the Browns are playing the Patriots and it's snowing like crazy. And I'm thinking, Oh, those, those poor fans of that team who live there, they got to be out clearing the streets (laughs) right now.
2: (laughs) So your first You're having empathy th- for other cities. Well, <laughs> yeah. or did, did, how, did you get the like? So I can relate this to I worked in retail for five years. So my first year not working on Black Friday, I went to bed at like nine ten o'clock on Thanksgiving. And I woke up at 2 a.m. in like dead sweat of like, <laughs> I need to be there. I was yeah. like, oh, no, wait. It's not my problem this year. I can go back. I'm going to go back to bed and go shop when I want to. Not it, my
1: circus, not my monkeys. Yep. Was All that right. like
2: first <laughs> snowstorm not working at the city? Was that what? it was, was like
1: for you it was
0: weird i mean it wake it was, up in
1: cold sweats like, just anxiety just, of
0: w- wait. yeah yeah that probably that first winter uh, it was hard to say i don't need to watch all four forecasts between <laughs> five and you know six thirty, and and constantly looking out the window what's it doing what's it doing you know tab would be like you don't work there anymore <laughs> this uh you can relax it took a while it was it, i'd be like oh man those poor guys you know cuz it always it never fails so you've got for the city of fargo anyway you've got the the winter during the winter time you've got two shifts half the guys are on the day crew half the guys are on the night crew mm-hmm. and it would never fail that the snowstorm would come on changeover weekend so then they'd have to figure out how they're going to do that. So they'd be like, they'd work their eight hour shift and then they'd have to turn around and come back in six hours or whatever oh, wow. and try, try to do that whole changeover because the snowstorm's happening and they have to switch over. When are they going to do mm-hmm. it? And yeah, it was a mess. So, so coming here was much different because you don't have that sort of, you know, okay, I got to clock in now. I got to take my break now. There's all kinds of things happening and,
1: yeah it's it's well, and it's it's not so much of a, a set time because in in the church it's it's kind of a 24 seven adjustment based on where the needs are mm-hmm. and, and what needs to be accomplished. yeah, so more yeah. like projects than it is a set time yeah and yeah and and you know
0: uh, visiting with people who have questions or or just need you you yeah. know at that time. So that was a, it was uh, an adjustment coming here, but the same as you, I love it. It doesn't even feel like work. It's just Mm -hmm. coming in and hanging out with, with everybody that I love and friends.
1: Well, let me rephrase that. Some of it feels like work, (laughs) 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 but it's not like, um, it's not like work. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that's, that's with any position. There may be people that working at the city, they love that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's their, that's their gig. Mm -hmm. Uh, when the snow's coming, they're all excited. Just, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously that wasn't where you were at, right? It was a a great job to have to take care of your family. And that's an honorable thing to do also. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, but your heart wasn't in it.
0: Right. Yeah. It was a lot of good enough for government work. Like you said, where now it's not like that. I, you know, really want to, make sure i'm yeah. doing the best i can do. And yeah, like you said, it the the it, it, some of it definitely does feel like work, but when i think about it, it's, you know, i don't think of that part of it as much as, you know. Right. I love what i do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, how about for mm-hmm. you, Sarah?
2: It's a good place to be. I mean, i was just thinking about the fact of it's no matter what like if it feels like work or not, it's nice to just work in a place that Super easy flexibility, like because most of us work twenty four hours whenever work calls, kind of. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But also, just working in a place where you know your coworkers genuinely care mm. about you and for you mm-hmm. goes a long way. I think. Oh, for so. sure.
1: I think too, working in a church as compared to some other place, you know, every every business, every job has goals and a vision of some kind. But working in a church, we know coming in that something bigger than us is happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we get to be a part of it. Yeah. And um, it's not like it's meeting this quarter's um, you know estimates for return on income. It's about are we expanding God's kingdom? Are we a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing? And that can get really exciting um, because it is something Bigger than us, um, and it's not us that that make the church go. It's the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and we get to come along for the ride.
2: Well, and there's so many different ways too that you can do church and do things. It's not like you're going in. And it's like, yep, here's how you ring things up. Here's how it's not a exact science process of yep it's, it's a, a B C yeah, D. You get right. to kind of bring your own flavor into it. Try different things and
1: right. And, and the church does use like business models, mm-hmm. but it, it isn't a business model that runs the church. Right. Um, because it's that's not what it is. It's not a business. Right. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. Yeah. And what our what our goals are are really are we sharing the gospel adequately? Are we loving on our people? Are we empowering people to follow Jesus into the world outside of the church space? Yeah. And be the light of Christ to others around them in order to expand the kingdom.
0: Yeah. Another uh, another different thing is, like, I when I worked at the city, um, you know, th- this section of town needs to be plowed. Okay, go plow it. And when you're done, you say, okay, I just plowed that street. Or, you know, th- this pothole needs to be fixed. Okay, this pothole is fixed now. Like, there was a definite, hey, this is done. Just like a barista, you know, you, mm-hmm. you put your order in, they make your coffee. Okay, that's done. And here, uh, you might not see... You might not see that uh, fruit. You're, you know, planting a exactly. lot of seeds, and and um, at the end of the day, you might not see what you did that day. But you, you know, you'll likely yeah. see it in weeks, months, mm-hmm. well, sometimes years, probably.
1: I'm glad you bring that up because I've had colleagues that have said, "All right," especially when I was starting out in ministry. Said, "Okay, you got to go to the. You're going to go um, serve this church." in your free time, get a hobby where you're planting a garden mm. or you're doing some woodworking or work on a car so that you can actually see results of the efforts that you're putting in because mm-hmm. you don't always see that in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, because God is working. And uh, I think that you're not going to know what, how you impacted someone's life for Jesus until you're in heaven. And, and then it's all going to be revealed clearly as to how God was using you to impact someone else's life. Um, and that's, and I would say that's, that goes beyond the church, but we focus on these things. It's Christianity, a Christian anywhere. You're not going to know the impact that you're having on someone's life for the sake of the gospel and the expanding of the kingdom of God until all is revealed. Mm-hmm. You don't know how that smile towards someone when your coworkers brighten their day when they were in such a place of despair mm-hmm. or saying hello to someone or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just loving on people where yeah. they're at. Well,
0: that um, I don't remember if I've told this story here. I know I've told it on uh, at parent meetings and stuff like that about the student who uh, I w- uh, went on the trip to Chicago with. Have I told that on here before we went on a mission trip in 2015 and, um, I didn't know him and I didn't really communicate with him that much on the trip, but I met him on the trip and we came back and, um, he was a ninth grader at the time. And so I knew him now. I mean, I knew who he was. And when I would see him here in the church, I wasn't working here at the time, but mm-hmm. when I would see him, I'd say, Hey, how are you doing? How are things going? You know, how's how are sports going? And, that was really it. Okay, well, see you later. Go in, sit down, worship, go home. And whenever I saw him, it would just be like, hey, how you doing? You know, how are sports going? How's school going? That kind of stuff. Right. And that was really all it was. There wasn't anything more than that. And time went on. And one day I was sitting at home and I got a Facebook message from somebody who I wasn't friends with on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, what's this? So I open it up and it's his mom mm-hmm. saying, hey. He would really like you to come to his graduation uh, party. You were a huge influence on his life, mm-hmm. and and you meant so much to him, and it means so much to me. And we'd love you there. And I just sat there stunned for a dumbfounded, while, dumbfounded, right? Yeah, like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, what? You know, I said hi to him. Yeah, you know?
1: it, it is it, it, and that's that's kind of the thing about working in a church. I think if if we get to have the freedom to look behind the scenes a little bit more and realize a couple of things. One, everyone is hurting and everyone is turned in on themselves. Doesn't matter where you're at, but in the church we we say that publicly. Like mm-hmm. we're it's public ministry. It's mm-hmm. not private ministry. So we're aware of that. And two, our job is to share the promises of God in such a way that people stop staring at their own belly buttons and start to see the people around them. Because that's how God intends creation to be, in relationship with each other and in relationship with the creator. And so when a person is encouraged by the gospel, they're then now free to encourage others with something as simple as just saying, hey, how are you doing? I'm, I'm genuinely interested mm-hmm in you and your life and what you're doing. And it may seem like a little thing, but especially for for young young boys and girls that are becoming young men and women, having adults around them that genuinely take an interest in their well-being is is huge. It really is. Um, but not just not just youth, I think it's adults too. Having people genuinely take an interest in you and care about you. Mhm is what the church is all about. Um, But we don't get there until we really hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and discover that you have this whole new life and your eternal destination is taken care of because God, by his grace, through his son Jesus Christ, has opened heaven for you. You're now free in this life to get busy living Mm -hmm. and not just staring at your own belly button or despairing, but actually to get living. It doesn't mean life's going to get Super easy. It, no, it's not. But it has. It, it's a life filled with hope mm-hmm. and faith and joy and love, even and especially during very difficult um, circumstances. Yeah. So, what was
0: it? What was it like working in other churches? Is it compared to atonement? Similar? Different parts of the country? I mean, yeah. cultures are different everywhere you go. Obviously. What was that like?
1: Yeah, I I've I've served um <laughs> I remember He's taking off yeah. his shoes right. Yeah. Now. I've served four other churches. Um one when I was on an internship. That was Gustavus Adolphus Lutheran Church. And just as the name sounds, uh the identity of the church was very much Swedish. It was the Swedish Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um and really reached its heyday and its peak of influence in like the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And then all of the Swedes moved to the suburbs. And when I was there, it was discovering that uh, GA, as we called it, had a whole new uh, community to minister to and they weren't Swedish. They were they were Hmong and they were um, Latino and they were African-American. And that these are the people that God had brought forward for them to minister to. So it was, it was interesting to discover, especially as I was learning how God was working on this congregation to not look at their own belly buttons, Mm -hmm. but to look up and see and stop lamenting the past and begin to see the exciting future that was waiting for them. And I loved being there. That was, um, we had a staff of uh, three ordained pastors, um, myself as an intern pastor uh, a youth director, a children's ministry director. Um, we had a full-time choir director organist who was like a doctor of ministry and they had this huge organ and it was just, it was powerful to hear him play. Um, and, and we had two worship services. We had a, a traditional worship service and a contemporary worship service. And, um, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed being there in the time. I was there for two years. I stayed, I was their intern for one year and then I stayed their second year. Uh, the, my last year of seminary I stayed on as their youth director, okay. uh, really more of a youth minister. Cause I was doing, um, uh, pastoral acts as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And so that, that place is kind of like atonement in size, uh, but it was more high church Okay. And atonement is low church. I wish I had a low voice so I could do that <laughs> low church, um, which means not a lot of not of a lot of the smells and bells and the traditional uh, pieces that get wrapped up in the life of the church. Because the church is two thousand years old. Mm-hmm. the The Lutheran Church is five hundred years old, but uh, inherited the liturgical pieces, the the clothing, the language, mm-hmm. the the Latin wording for things that goes all the way back to, you know, Rome Mm -hmm. in 300 AD. Mm. So that was Gustavus. after GA. um, When I was called, I, my first call as an ordained minister was to uh, St. John's Lutheran church, which was in Annandale, Minnesota. And that church is probably the closest to atonement of any church that I have served very uh, much more low church, low key. Um, uh, I still had to wear a clerical mm-hmm. there, which I thought was interesting. Um, but they they had uh, one traditional service, one um, uh, contemporary service, and they also uh, had two pastors on staff, um, uh, a couple a couple office manager stuff, and GA did too. Um, much the same kind of staffing, a little less than what we have at Atonement. Middle school youth director, high school youth director, children's youth director. Um, and they were they were very good about trying new things for the sake of the gospel in their area. That was that was a lake town. Mm-hmm. There was 26 lakes around Annandale, and it's just south of St. Cloud. So we would have um, uh, uh, more people that would come during the summertime. Mm-hmm and attend at uh, St. John's. But they were they were roughly about the same size as Atonement. I think at, at the height of it, we were worshiping about 500 a Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, after that, I served a church in uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, a place called Kimberton, which is a stone's throw from Valley Forge. Um, if If anyone knows their history, if you don't go learn about George Washington and what Valley Forge is. <laughs> Uh, and that place was really interesting in that it was, their identity was they were the small country church on the hill and the city had grown up around it. That church um, was founded in 1876. And so um, it, it was known as Centennial Evangelical Lutheran Church because it was founded on the centennial of our country. Okay. Um, a little smaller. I think we worshipped maybe 150, 160 a Sunday. I uh, had two worship services there too, one traditional, one contemporary. Um, very much traditional in the sense of of um, pastors wore clericals, which actually wasn't a bad idea um, being in that part of the country because it's much more Roman Catholic than it is Protestant. And, you know, I, I would serve people in my community that would be even in places like it, when accidents would happen, mm-hmm. they would go to downtown Philadelphia near center city. And that was known. It was a great place to go during the daytime. Cause you would see things like the Liberty bell is down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the constitution, like uh, it's not the original one, but it's I mean, the independence place hall. independence <laughs> hall. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of history down there. Ben Franklin is, is, is buried down there. Um, but, At nighttime it wasn't a safe place to go. So when I would go down there, um, the the Thomas Jefferson Hospital, it's a really old hospital, um, you would have to park several blocks away from it because it didn't have its own parking, so I'd be in a in a parking garage. But I'd have a clerical on. And I never had a problem with anybody. Um I'd walk a couple of blocks and no one no one gave me a hard time. But I think part but everyone called me father, like, Hey father, how you doing? Hey, keep it up, father. Uh, <laughs> keep doing your thing. And so I'd be walking down with a Bible in one hand. Just one of like, the best hey.
2: like forms of armor. Nobody wants to right. be that guy. Right. right.
1: <laughs> you know, even, even troublemakers will leave yeah. the pastor alone. <laughs> like, <if "Ooh."> <laughs> so anyway, but, um, that was really interesting culture wise because, uh, there was also, uh, where I lived was right on the, the, um, edge of Amish country. Mm. So we had like Amish buggies at our Walmart Mm -hmm. and they had stalls for them and it was just, it was just neat. And so, um, that was a, that was an interesting experience. It was a great church to serve. Um, but they, their identity really was, we are the, the, the small country church on the Hill and they were happy with that. Mm. Um, so then, the the church that I served after that is uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, St. Paul's, and they also, gosh, what did we worship at our height? I want to say we were like two sixty, okay, to three hundred. We only had one service. Oh wow! One yeah. service, and they were very traditional. It okay. was it was, uh, it, they that church was founded in eighteen thirty, mm-hmm. so it was one of the oldest churches in at least as far in Lutheran circles in that part of the country. And in North Carolina, uh, there are very few Lutherans except where, where I was located in, in this place in Rowan County, just north of Charlotte. But the whole rest of the state is like Baptist. Mm-hmm. If you were to look at a map and be like, where are the Lutherans? <laughs> it would light up like a light blue in Rowan County. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, where are the Baptists? The whole state would go black. <laughs> I mean, and so, so you have a different feel. You have a bit of that Southern hospitality because a, a lot of what happens in church is cultural as well. Mm-hmm. But wherever I went, everyone knew the small catechism. Mm-hmm. We sang the same hymns. We, you have that same language. And Lutheran theology is a, a learned language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't just come immediately. It, but it's the same with all types of theology. It's a learned language to understand what is being expressed from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're l- seeking answers to those life questions, what's the meaning of life? You're going to hear something different, right? Depending on um, what Christian background you come from, because yeah. they emphasize things differently. And and there's re- there's the reason why we have Lutherans and Baptists, and Catholics is that we don't agree on every point. Mm-hmm. There are differences, and it's okay to recognize those differences. Yeah. Um. It doesn't mean that that Baptists or Catholics aren't going to heaven, mm-hmm. but they are just different enough that, I, you know, the individual is not convinced that if I'm a Lutheran, I'm not convinced by Roman Catholic theology, and I'm not convinced by Baptist theology. Lutheran theology sings to me mm-hmm. and teaches the truth of the gospel and sets me free, gives yeah. me hope. Um, so St. Paul's was um, a smaller staff, uh, one pastor on staff, and we had, and, and the same with, um the same with the staff in, in, in Pennsylvania, it was about the same. It was one pastor, one youth director, uh, music director, um, uh, two staff, uh, office staff people. And, um, at St. Paul's, it was one pastor, two office staff people. We had a parish nurse. Um, we had a youth director, we had an organist and a music director and, uh, a couple other positions. I think there's like nine positions altogether. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, um, you get cultures in church and those cultures reflect what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have seasons in church. You, you have you know highs and lows and dips in the direction of the church because sometimes we can make idols out of our own projects that, back in the 70s, this really worked well, but it's not working today, mm-hmm. but we're still doing it. Maybe we should try something else, but this is the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that atonement, in my experience here, is that atonement being 50 years old, but also just kind of the DNA of atonement, is that we hold solid to Scripture and the Lutheran confessions. The strategies by which we share the gospel will adjust accordingly depending on what's happening in in the community. Mm-hmm. And that's really refreshing, because it's not easy that if you've been doing something a certain way for so long, and then the culture shifts around you to adjust to the culture for the sake of the gospel, well, we want to lean on things that we know have always been there and are comforting to us. I mean, we all have personal things that we love. Like, you you could talk about Christmas. Well, what what do you need to have for Christmas? I remember as a kid, we would get these bags that would have peanuts in them, Mm -hmm. and little like...
2: Ribbon candy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so
1: great. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't had that at a church in a long time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think back on that fondly, um, do I think that we need that at, at atonement? Not really. I mean, you know, it's a nice thing, but it, it it it's not an idol that needs to be assuaged and brought out once a year. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. And in churches anywhere, we can get wrapped up in those things that we like that had meaning to us without realizing that just because it had meaning to you, doesn't mean that it's going to have meaning to the next generation Yeah, Mm -hmm. because they may be using a different mechanism by which to hear the gospel. A good example is screens. Mm -hmm. There are churches out there that really can get wrapped up over screens in worship as if it's taking away from something. But the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is for Lutherans, theologically speaking, the sanctuary is not the sacred place mm-hmm. uh, or the worship space is not the sacred place. The sacred place is the word proclaimed wherever that is there. You have the sacred place because Christ has shown up in your midst. It's mm-hmm. Christ who's sacred, not these other things. All the things that we use in church are really to teach the gospel and reinforce that gospel message. And there are things that have been passed on to us into the 21st century that were originally there intended to teach a non-literate culture. Mm-hmm stained glass windows, the placing of like the, the Lord's table and the pulpit, all those were there for the purpose of teaching the gospel for people who couldn't read. Okay. And so you would, and often the church was the only game in town. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, (laughs) there wasn't ball games. There wasn't, you know, organized sports. There wasn't television, internet, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you would go to the church and you would experience God's presence in a meaningful way in the language that you understood Mm -hmm. in the United States. Since the 1950s, we become a people who are trained by screens. That's how we learn. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, there's something that happens to the individual who's grown up with a screen in front of them. When they see the screen, regardless of what's on there, they become calmer. Mm. Um, it's so much so that we've seen obesity studies where people forget that they're eating. okay, because they're just into the screen. Well, you can use screens in worship in a in an impactful way to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's not the screen per se that's important. It's the message that's being proclaimed on the screen. All the screen is doing is giving you um, an opportunity to one have your head up and see what's going on and connecting with the message in a deeper way using more than just auditory mm-hmm. communication. It's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. And it's a tool that needs to be used strategically just like anything else. Yeah. And the strategy is how do we best share the gospel short of sinning? <laughs> how do we best share the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, people, I think, can, can get wrapped up in their traditions and miss that. It's not their traditions that matter. It's not even the building that matters. The, the church is the people of God yeah. that have heard the gospel because they've gathered around Jesus where he promises to be. The things that, are, that you can't remove are the word and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Word, sacraments, people. There you have church, period. Yeah. Cool. Did that answer your questions? Think, I so. think so. Uh, what, some things that we did in in North Carolina, we had this great event every year called Cruise and Barbecue. Ooh, yeah! This is our big event every year. This is this is really what the church was. Really got got um, active and engaged in sharing the gospel with their neighbors, because um, everyone in the in the congregation was on deck. What we had was like a five hour window once a year, where we had a car show. Okay. In the church parking lot, and we got more classic cars than even professional shows in North Carolina and South Carolina. We'd have hundred to one hundred and fifty entries. We would give away trophies, Um, and along with that, we would have uh, uh, with that entrance fee. We would have raffles, and and when the cars, people could come around and judge for their favorite car. Anyone who was attending could say, "This is my favorite car," and put a vote in for it. Um, But what we would also do is we would have a cruise, a poker cruise. And so you would get five carts, and the best hand and the worst hand would win a prize. And you would drive to different churches that we would partner with in Rowan County in these five spots in your fancy car. And it was just it was just a, a, a cruise thing. And this is NASCAR country, so people love yeah. this stuff. <laughs> and um, so there would be this this just great event. We would have things like um, we did, like, uh, DNA testing for people to help with—, with uh, Blood illnesses and so on. Oh. If you wanted to be a donor, we would we would set up different things like that, um, and then we would have this barbecue, this uh, pit roast barbecue chicken that was melt, uh, you know, it, it would just pull right off the bone. It was delicious. Now, who
0: had the recipe for that?
1: Well, there was a company that we worked with. I in need town. to speak with this person. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was phenomenal. And we would raise literally. Um, I think the last year that I was there, they'd done about ten of these by that point. I wanna say we raised thirty thousand dollars. Oh wow. And we we raised the money to give it to usually someone in the community who had um some type of illness where their medical bills were just off the charts mm-hmm. and we would just go and pay all their bills. Oh wow. And people loved it. And yeah. and, and the entire community rallied around it. Mm-hmm. And it was really what, what Saint Paul's was known for in the community more than anything was that was that event. Neat. So that's cool. That sounds
2: really cool. Yeah.
1: Paul and I have talked about getting, <laughs> we might be able to get something like, you know, scheming with, with all of his, his ideas, Pastor Cross. Yeah. Getting a cruise and barbecue in Fargo Morgan would be kind of
0: cool. I'd love, we, we need a smoker.
1: I, I know a guy who might have a smoker <laughs> or two.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, the next question again comes from Avis. And since we're on the subject of, of all the different uh, churches that you've served at, Uh, this is probably different at different churches. What process do people go through to become a member?
1: Yeah, uh, come and attend. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not baptized, get baptized, Mm -hmm. and you become a member. That's one way. Uh, If you are baptized, and you are uh, uh, transferring from another Lutheran church, you just tell us that you want to transfer your membership. And at Atonement, we have a process of Uh, a couple times a year will recognize all of our new members and they'll come before the congregation and they will basically do a confirmation of their baptism. Mm. So we do confirmation for our teenagers, but every time someone joins the church, they are doing the same thing. They are affirming their faith. They are confessing that they believe in the God uh, as revealed in the Apostles' Creed, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's the language in which we baptize, and it's the language in which we affirm our faith. And when those, um, when that happens, you become a member of atonement. Yeah. I through know, baptism or through affirmation of your faith.
0: So when I became a member here, and this was 10 years ago, there was... Um, I can't remember several weeks uh, on a you know say a Monday evening or a Tuesday evening where yeah. we would sit and and learn all kinds of things and and yeah. do that, but we don't do that anymore.
1: Yeah, that's 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 known as a time of catechization, mm-hmm. um, and that's an old old practice. It's it's really what we do with uh, the kids when we raise them in the faith because we baptize infants. Mm-hmm. The strategy, or, or at least the thinking, is that for those who are Raised in the church, we go through that process of catechization. Most churches do something like that with their new members just to know that, just to make their members aware of what this church is all about, but also for the, the church to get a sense that, yeah, this person really um, believes this, mm-hmm. that wants, wants to follow Jesus. And so there's usually some form of catechization. It can be as simple as, as one or two conversations with prospective new members. Um, to a full-blown course, um, mm-hmm. uh, I've done. I've done it in different ways. I've done like five sessions. I've done. I've even used Alpha as a catechization program for some people. Okay. I feel like we need. To is there is this feedback coming on? Uh, yep. <laughs> are you Able to hear it on the.
0: I don't know. We've we've got uh, we've got some racket yeah. happening outside.
2: I think it's one of our last lawnmowers of the year oh, yeah. before the snow flies.
0: Okay. Well, if you're hearing that, it's a lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Everybody's okay.
1: It's my teeth <laughs> rattling because <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> it's not that oh. bad. It's not that bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Now I'm Oh, no,
0: it's in the 50s probably.
1: In the springtime, you'd be sweating right now if it was 50 degrees.
2: That's all perspective.
1: So though. you may not remember. I've been here, what, almost two years now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That first change I must have had like five layers on, but the first Sunday I remember I came, I had a snow coat on. They were like, this is our new pastor. I'm like,
0: yeah, he still has a
1: snow coat on.
0: DJ showed up like the kid in the Christmas story that couldn't put (laughs) his arms
1: down. down. (laughs) Put your arms down when you get to church. (laughs) I got, I got soft in North Carolina. It was too nice.
0: That's good. But Uh, we're hardy
1: folk up here in North Dakota. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, we are. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we have one more question from Avis. Avis, thank you so much for sending these questions in. It's been a good discussion mm-hmm. so far. So this one has to do with the changing world in church mm-hmm. is, is what she, how she headlined it. Um, she talked about um, former pastors who would not marry couples who were living together. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew a couple that uh, actually had to move apart before the pastor would marry them. Um, but she also, um, saw examples of people who had been divorced or had children who were doing the same thing in the past or had no problem marrying them. Sure. So, um, what, what can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think what we're talking about is a bit of, um, expectations as compared to requirements and this, uh, how you respond to where people are in their life, um, especially around something that is as important as marriage and family, uh, is often motivated by the culture around you. So there was a time where if you were living together before you were married, uh, the church didn't really have to do a whole lot of anything. The culture itself would do it for you for for the purpose of... um. Protecting and honoring individual persons, um, what's the right word? Um, Credibility. Mm -hmm. You know, I got their rep, okay, so to speak. That that they're not um, bad people. That they're not, you know, fooling around causing trouble. Mm -hmm. And that goes back a long time in history couple thousand years up until basically the 1970s where in the United States, at least there has been more uh, living together outside of marriage as normative. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a shift in the culture. Well, what does the church teach? The church still teaches regardless um, uh, one man, one woman in marriage, no sex before marriage. That's the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the world we live in. So how does the church then interact with people who for whatever reason are not keeping with the tradition of the church? Well, you really have two responses. You can come down really hard and draw lines in the sand. And, and I think that's really a call on the part of the pastor who's been asked to officiate at a wedding uh, because it has to do with their comfortability too. there's a there's a there's a an agreement happening between not just the the husband and the wife uh, to be, but also with the pastor because the pastor is the uh, um, the state representative, but also the representative of of how to honor this within the church community, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, my feeling being someone who was born after 1970 and have has grown up in the culture of people living together before they get married is to say i also teach one man and one woman in marriage and then that's the proper place for sexual expression if you're doing it before marriage there's two things that I think about when a person comes to me. One, well, if you're already engaging as a husband and wife before marriage, at least you're moving in the right direction to honor it because marriage is meant to protect the the man and the woman because prior to marriage, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no legal ramifications of breaking that union. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can play at it but until you actually put the ring on the finger, all bets are off. Right. So there's a bit of that. Um, but it's also, you know, you, you've been living this way, but you want to do the right thing. I see that as, as moving in the right direction of wanting to make it official. Um, so usually what I will say is that if, if people are already living in a marital arrangement prior to being married, um, good let's let's move forward and then we have a conversation and something we also do is confession and absolution which is forgiving your past which may not which which may be engaging in in sexual behavior even with someone who is not your spouse to be mm-hmm. to forgive that to move beyond that and to move forward in your relationship together that is made, um, not just an idea, but an actual thing through the wedding, through Mm -hmm. the, the marrying each other. It's no longer an idea that I love you or that I I will spend the rest of my life with you. I'm committing myself to you. Mm -hmm. And that commitment is what actually makes marriage work. It's not the feeling of love. It's the feeling of commitment that I'm going to choose daily to have my spouse's needs and wants be more important than my own Mm -hmm. that will get a marriage couple through any trial that they face our culture has made marriage really into it's a feeling about love and we don't even know what love means in this culture anymore that's how far away we've moved away from a biblical ethic um and so it's 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 reteaching that Um, And so if you meet people that are living together prior to marriage, but they want to get married and they're planning on getting married, my feeling is usually let's get this done as soon as possible. You're already living in a a marital relationship. Let's let's make it official. Mm -hmm. And to teach them about the importance of honor and commitment and how that will bless their relationship their entire life long. Because I'm usually not concerned about a couple's wedding. I'm concerned about their marriage to come. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where I am at on that. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, disregard pastors that are like, no, I I want them to just take a break. Right. And, and that's fine too. It, It really comes down to whatever the pastor thinks is in the best interest of the couple. Yeah. Now, when it comes to divorce, again, divorce is not something that we teach in the church as being normative or God's intention, because the Bible basically speaks of it as not being God's intention. However, there are places in the Bible where divorce seems like it is um, the least harmful direction within a broken relationship. I kind of speak of of divorce as being like death because that's what it is. I mean, I've never ever had any couple that was getting ready to get married in in our pre-counseling. I've never said to them, but wait till your divorce. It's going to be so great. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not. It sucks. It is death. It's a death of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you do when death has come near? You need to mourn it. Mm -hmm. You're going to mourn it whether you want to or not. You're going to grieve it. Um, And divorce can almost be worse because in the grief process of the death of a loved one, there is is a, a, a funeral service which brings kind of the point of this person is no longer here Mm -hmm. Um, in a divorce that corpse is walking around. Yeah. And if you have children, you got to engage with that Mm -hmm. person. Yeah. And so it's, it's learning to discover forgiveness for that person. And and the Bible even gives the suggestion that if you get a divorce, uh, one miracle of God is to bring about reconciliation between the divorce parties. But I see divorce as death. Mm -hmm. Um, but well, what kind of a God do we have? We have a God who brings new life mm-hmm. out of death. Um and so depending on again the circumstances, and this comes down to the individual pastor, is it a godly thing for a divorced person to get remarried and to have two families become one? That that's a conversation that needs to happen. And it's not like it's not like there's a clear line drawn in the sand to say uh in all circumstances, no. In all circumstances, yes. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to um, what is happening with that new couple. My feeling is that if marriage is a death, if if divorce is a death, then there is a hope for new life and a hope of a of of a relationship that will be honorable and committed to one another. Because divorce happens in a couple when one or the other stops committing to the other person emotionally physically. um, It's where abuse can enter in. And usually it's one party or the other uh, refusing to honor the other. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a death. And there is hope for new life after death. And so as divorces are concerned, again, it really depends on the circumstances of the two people who are wanting to get married or remarried. Okay, Did I dodge that question well enough? Did, no, does it, did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it did.
0: It did make sense. So we actually have some some more questions, but we are out of time for today. Um, so, but one thing we would like to ask you all to participate with us in. We got a question from Enoch. Enoch has sent us questions before, and uh, uh, Enoch, we appreciate your questions as well. And his questions revolve around a book. By C.S. Lewis, called the Screw Tape Letters, and I had never heard of this before. Enoch sent the question in, uh, Pastor DJ. You said you've read it before. Uh, I'd like to read it before we get into it mm-hmm. because after uh, uh, checking it out, it looks really interesting. Yeah. So we are going to uh,
1: hold off on that
0: yeah, one. Yeah. That
2: podcast book club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanna.
0: I wanna read it. Uh, um. And. Uh, um, if any of you want to read it as well, in a few weeks, we'll we'll get after that question. We'll have a, a full-blown review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it sounds like it's letters. fantastic. So Excellent. Cool. So, um, um, Pastor DJ, would you mind praying us I out today? I'd be
1: to. Gracious God, thank you for the conversation that we've had today. Um, I thank you for everyone who's becoming part of this conversation. Uh, uh, this that podcast community. Uh, I pray that 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 you would uh, bless all who have ears to hear with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would know how much they are loved and cared for by our gracious Lord. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you all for joining us again today. For Sarah D. Young, Pastor DJ Lura, I am Ryan Janke, and you can join us next week for, I'm saying it, I don't care, another
2: episode of
0: that podcast
2: you can also join us on sunday mornings (laughs) yeah you You can out half your spiel
0: well i know but that's because uh um you
2: were worried about removing (laughs) us removing the word riveting
0: you're trying to
2: introducing new things expanding our vocabulary
0: well, in the meantime, yes, we do have services every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030 at atonement.live, atonementfargo.org, and on the YouTube by searching at Atonement Fargo. So thank you all for joining us. We'll see you again next nice week. Time. I'm not saying it <laughs> twice. It's a once an episode. <laughs> I'm just going right? to yes.
2: I'm going to Emmy, Emmy music you out of here.
0: <laughs> all right. See you later, everybody. Thank you.